Ron Kratz and Pierzynski for FT Alive. Let's run it. Actually, the biggest news for FT fans was released yesterday at the end of the show. Kratz, I'll let you describe what that news is. The hint is if you look at AJ's shirt and his hat, there's a new addition, but it doesn't have to do with AJ because he lives in warm weather. What is it? I mean, we need it today. We got about three inches of snow today up here in PA. That sweatshirt. I mean, the FT sweatshirt, let's get it. FT hoodie. AJ, you're going to need it soon. Prepare yourself. Um, Kratz needs it to cry in after his Eagles got butt stomped last night by <laughs> Todd's Bucks. <laughs> they are such – there is no – there's no denying that. There was yeah. – if I was picking which team was going to win, I would have 100% taken the Bucks. There is nothing that the Eagles showed in the last six games of the year that made me even want to watch the entire game. Is there any equivalent for what an MLB team would resemble if they were the Eagles to come crashing down? Maybe like some of those the Yankees, the Yankees in, in the 2022, where they started out gangbusters and then nobody but Aaron Judge hit and then they made the playoffs. But that was like, oh, cool, neat. Uh, like, how about the Rays last year? The Rays, very similar. Yeah. I mean, the Eagles were 10 and 1. <laughs> Don't say I never let you talk about football, AJ. Let's charge the mound, powered by <laughs> Tiza. If you're a dipper, stop it. And this is a great way to get off. And there's no nicotine. There's no tobacco. It's called Tiza. Look it up. We'll give you the uh, promo code at the back end of this segment. So what I want to get from you guys is perspective on where we're at in the free agent market not from a player-to-player, team-by-team situation. We'll do plenty of that. We do that every single day. So, AJ, if you're sitting at home right now and you know you're a big league ball player and you I are am. going to sign for millions of dollars, but it hasn't happened yet. Let's say Scott Boris is your agent and he's like, listen, he I've done be. this for – it wouldn't be? <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. You know what I'm going to ask, so why don't you just list you. it? I'm just, I'm just filling in the blanks for you. Okay. And you – are getting a little bit anxious because you want to know which team you're going to join. I'm going to pause after each sentence. <laughs> and, and we're a month away. What do you do? What do you feel like? What kind of conversations are going down? Do you call the agent a little more? Do you, does the family get a little bit annoying? The friends texting, hey, what's good? Uh, the f- friends and family texting is the thing that I was used to get you all the time for me um as a player you get a little anxious because it gets now you heck you're less than you're less than a month away now you're about four weeks away from having to be there three weeks away from having to show up and be ready to go so and you don't know where you're going and and what happens is the wife the kids the family the mother you know the father hey where are you gonna sign are you gonna sign you're not playing this year what's the deal you're retired why, why have you not signed yet I, are you gonna sign with the yankees you know the yankees need a catcher well great the problem is, is that, you know, it takes two to tango. And yeah, it gets a little bit annoying because everyone you see is, oh, where'd you sign? Have you haven't signed yet? Why haven't you signed yet? Is there something wrong? Are you hurt? You just get tired of answering the question. So it, it becomes a little bit of a, a waiting game and it tests your patience. Um, I don't know that I ever made it this deep into a, into a winter without being signed. I think early January, I signed with the White Sox one year and that was um, the latest I ever made it. But it still wears on you a little bit because you're just like, man, what is taking so long? And clubs, what clubs do is they sit there and they wait and they wait and they wait and they hope that the player's price comes down because they panic. And you have Scott Boris, who's if he's your agent, he's going, 
Don't worry, Cody. Don't worry, Matt. Don't worry, Blake. I'll get you your best deal available no matter what. And then the player starts getting anxious, and he's reaching out to Scott, and you're reaching out to your agent saying, hey, man, what are you hearing? Who are you talking to? Blah, blah, blah. Is there any way I can help? Um, is there is there someone I can call to, to help facilitate a deal? So it becomes a little bit nerve-wracking as a player. But in the end, these guys are all going to get their money, and they're going to be just fine. You just have to let the process play out. It's much easier said than done. Obviously, I don't know what it's like to be a big league free agent. But I also think AJ and I being catchers, you normally see catchers, you rarely see catchers wait very long to sign up. Like they know the guys that they want to go get. And so I think if you're if you're a Boris client, we we gotta ask the next Boris client we have one, somebody that's gone through free agency. Like, does do they tell you, hey, look, like we're gonna wait here. We're gonna listen to our first three offers. And then we're going to hold off on it. We're going to like the part that would be nerve wracking for me. And the one year that I was, <clears throat> excuse me, that I was a free agent until January. It was like January 8th or 10th. I signed with the Pirates. I was sitting there going, okay, I don't have any offers. Like nobody's called. That means they're calling people ahead of me. And as a minor league free agent, you're thinking like, whoa, like I'm, I need to go get a job. Like I need to find something else to do. I wasn't going to go play independent ball. And so you start, I started not to panic, but to like think, all right, well, I guess I'm kind of going to start planning the next thing. You're still getting ready for baseball. You're still getting ready as well as you can to be able to play in the season, just like you would if you had a job. You just don't know where you're going yet. Hmm. So do you think that at some point someone gets a little desperate? It happens every year. Always. Guys, it happens every year. Guys take deals that people are like, man, why do you take that deal? And you're like, well, it's February 1st and spring training starts in two weeks. That's why he took that deal. <laughs> um, you know, the thing is also, you know, you have to understand spring training, you don't know where to live. You don't have a place. You don't have a place to stay in spring training. <laughs> you're going to a city that might be a new city and you don't have a place to live in the city and you, and, and, you know, you fly in and you got one day to find a place to live and, and you're like, Oh man, how, how am I going to find a place to live? And it, it just, it becomes a lot that starts piling up on your mind. And you, absolutely every year you see guys that sign, you're like, man, why do you only take a one year deal? And you're like, well, because he kind of panicked a little bit and that's okay. Um, you know, some of these guys hopefully don't do that and they get all everything they want, but it, it it's a lot. You know, if you don't know where you're living in spring training, if you don't know, you know, it's a little different in Arizona because you can kind of live anywhere in the Phoenix area. But in Florida, you could be anywhere on the on the whole state. So it is a thing. And then let's say let's say you're Blake Snow and you've been out on the West Coast for the last few years. Oh, you're going to go to New York. Well, you don't know where to live in New York. You don't know what house you want to get or condo or apartment or whatever it is. You have no idea. So then you fly in there. And you get one day, an off day, and you got to find a place to live while you're living in a hotel. That just sucks. So guys definitely feel the pressure. What about agents? Are there battles with some players and their agents? Like, hey, you're not doing your job. And the agent's like, no, I am doing my job, but this is part of the process and you need to be patient. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's battles like that. I've heard of battles like that. I know for a fact a significant player at his time was – going out to free agency, got an offer from the team that he was with, a four-year deal, and his agent took it and said to the media, hey, we have 
two or three offers and the other team, his original team, knew there wasn't two or three offers, that day the owner said, nope. We don't want that. We, we don't we don't want you to handle handle this situation like this. Pivoted, completely pivoted, went and signed somebody else. Lost out on his job. So you got to trust your agent. You have to trust your agent. It's good advice for any players that are listening out there. Yeah, but also you see agents. guys switch agents too, right? You see guys switch agents. I don't know how. I mean, you the see guys, it all the time. You see guys, you know, either right after they sign or, you know, who – was it Correa that switched agents in the middle of his free agency? Uh, or there was somebody a couple years ago, it was a big name that switched like right in the middle of it. And they're like, like he was no. negotiating it. Oh, right. Yeah. Remember? And they're like, yeah, no, I'm going to someone else. And it was like in the middle of their negotiations. And it was like, man, that's a weird one. Uh, Freddie Freeman, remember his with, with his yeah. agent? He got mad about that one. That was a big one. Uh, was it Casey Close? Remember, there was like a big deal about them and the Braves, the way that whole thing was handled. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, so yeah, listen, you have to trust your agent. The one thing I think the players need to remember, the agent works for you. Mm-hmm. You don't work for the agent. So you can go to the agent and say, listen, man, find me a job and find me a good job. And if it has to be a one-year deal, it has to be a one-year deal. But you, you work your ass off to get to this point as a player. And then your agent's holding you up. And, and the one thing I also, I also noticed and I've heard is guys don't always hear about all the offers they're given. The agent doesn't tell them sometimes about offers because they don't want them to go to a certain team. Right. And so you're like, Oh man, I didn't know that this team offered me because guess what? The agent didn't tell you because it wasn't a team you want that he wanted you to go to, Hmm. or it wasn't the money that they wanted where in reality it might've been somewhere that the player wanted to go. So remember if you're out there as a player, the agent works for you and you at the end of the day have the ultimate say so. And I also don't want to hear about, the players association saying, Oh, that's a bad deal. No, nobody can talk to you about your personal life <laughs> and your personal decisions because you make the deal that's best for you in your life. Cause at the end of the day, the player association is there to help you, but they're not the end all be all. Yep. That's and you ridiculous. did everything as much as your agent can sell things. Just think of your agent as somebody who can do the negotiating for you. Yes. But all you've done already as a player, you are setting yourself up for the deal you're going to get. Is it going to be as many years as you think? Is it going to be as much money as he thinks? That's all has to be discussed ahead of time. But you can't sit there and be like, man, my agent, he got me seven years. And I was only was supposed to get five. Like your ability and the what you've done you know, shows itself and is going to play out in that in that situation in the market. What are you, what are you supposed to do if your agent doesn't tell you every offer? I mean, that is oh, that's crazy. next level bullshit. You don't right know. There. You don't know the answer. You don't know because you don't know until you find out after. Sometimes you find out afterwards. I'm not saying it happened to me. I used to tell my agent, I go, listen, any phone call you get from a team that's making some sort of offer, tell me. Mm-hmm. And then I'll make the decision. I was lucky my agent was a smaller guy and he he, we had a great relate. We still are really good friends, and he would tell you know to give me all the information. But trust me, there are guys these big corporation, these corporate agents, man. I mean, listen. I, I mean, you guys all know Johnny Damon, who was a good friend of mine. You guys remember he went to the Yankees, and the Red Sox were like, you know, hey, we didn't get a chance to match, and there was this whole big deal. And I don't know how much Johnny wants you know wants to know about it, but you know, Scott Boris was his agent, and there were some feelings there that Boris wanted him in New York and not in Boston, so he didn't give him the full story. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but there was a lot of rumors about that when Johnny went to the Yankees over the Red Sox. Yeah, that's tough. That's really tough because in that situation, if you don't know what conversations are going on, you can't even say, hey, you, the agent works for you. You got to be in control. How? 
I don't, I don't know every conversation going on. So that's a relationship. The answer to that is David Robertson. He's self-represented. <laughs> that's because <laughs> he doesn't want to don't pay the fee. That. He doesn't want to pay his agent fee. That's why he's self-represented. <laughs> <laughs> well, you probably, what you don't get, I guess, in an agent helping out, it probably kind of equals the difference. No. Uh, I don't know that you get any more money. I mean, he understands what his value is. It's more of just the legal legal part of it. And you still have to – I know the one year that he negotiated his contract, it was like a one-year deal. He still had to get a lawyer to look it over. So you still got to pay a lawyer. But to me, it's nickel and diming. To me, it's like you have a relationship with a guy. I love my agent. And we're still friends. And he did everything he could for me for the type of career that I had. And if guys don't have that kind of relationship, I feel bad for them. Because a lot of guys, you know, especially early in their career, they're like, oh, man, this dude can get me some Nike shoes. He can get me the Trouts custom. Oh, sick. You know, it's like that's to me, that's like a fleeting thing that you're looking for. You're looking for a relationship that you trust this person and you know that he's he has the best interests for you, not for him. Mm -hmm. That's good stuff. All right. Let's get to some breaking news. So the Houston Astros are down a reliever for the entire 2024 season. And it is one of my favorite players. So I'm pissed. Um, Kendall Graveman, <laughs> right shoulder surgery, friend of the show out for the rest of the season or for the entire season. The season hasn't started yet. I'm just looking at some tweets from some Astros people, including uh, Brian McTaggart, who said um, the team is focused on bringing in another reliever via free agency or trade. But remember, Dana Brown said at the winter meetings he did not want to overpay in the relief pitching market. Well, <laughs> that, that might have to change. There's the news for you. Shoulder surgery. He's in the last year of his contract with Houston. He signed, let's see, a three-year, $21 million deal that covered 2022 to 2024. That was with the White Sox. White Sox traded him to Houston. Remember last year, too, at the end of the season, he was, the shoulder was barking. And he wasn't in the postseason for them. So they were missing him there. And then it sounded like some rest and rehab. And then he's thrown again, but it did not work out. So unfortunately, we won't get to see Kendall Graveman pitch this season. And that sucks for Houston. Kratz, it's a competitive division. I mean, the Rangers won it. Even though the Mariners have been weird this offseason, they're good. So for Houston, they've had a good bullpen for years. Hector Neris is a free agent. Not sure if he's coming back, but they might want to call him. Yeah, they might want to call him, and I assume it'll probably happen. I mean, they know they know him the best. They know whether the analytics say his, you know, he may have been getting too lucky. They may they may look at it and be like, no, this guy has been a dog for us. He has always taken the ball in big spots, and he throws the splitter as often as he can. But they're not in dire straits. As much as they want Kendall Graveman, you're going to have a resurgence of Abreu. You're going to have a resurgence of Montero, meaning like they're just, they're going to be back. They're going to be back. They're going to be elite and maybe not as elite as the end of the season that they were, but then you still have a closer. So you still have your seven, eight, nine guys. If those guys falter, it really doesn't matter who you bring in. So you do. I see him going after one other guy. Do they get a, you know, I, I even think like a Robert Stevenson might be out of their price range if they don't want to pay. They're clearly not going to go after Hater if they're not willing to pay and they have a closer, so they don't want to go that direction. But they do, they have to sure up all their little leaking holes because 
I know Bregman said at the end of the year, you know, who knows what it's going to look like if the Astros don't win the division. I guess we'll never know. It's getting closer. And a team in their division won the World Series. So they do need to patch up the holes a little bit. And this is this is a big loss. This is a big loss because this guy came out and gave them big innings. Okay, so there's two things of the Astros. One, the Astros knew about this last year because I remember talking to Kendall Graven in the playoffs, and he's like, I don't know what's going on, on my shoulder. I know I can't throw a ball from from me to you know the camera I'm looking at, which is about seven feet away. So uh, he, he was hurt last year talking to him. He knew he was hurt. Now, why he tried to rehab it, obviously. But the difference between him getting surgery in October and him getting surgery in January isn't that big of a deal because he was going to miss this season anyway. So the Astros knew about this. The thing for me, the Astros, Abreu is really good. Presley's been unbelievable for him. Montero was awful for him last year. They lost Stanek. He's a free agent. Maton's a free agent. They need a lefty in the bullpen. They went they they went last year basically with no lefties in their bullpen, which is almost unheard of. So they need to find a lefty in their bullpen. They also need to find another late inning uh, right-handed guy, whether that's Naris, whether that's whoever they want to find. But the Astros need help in the bullpen. And, and like Kratz said, for the first time ever, we're looking at it going, man, the Astros aren't a surefire thing to make the playoffs and win this division because the, the Rangers just won the World Series. The Mariners are going to win 54% of their games. The <laughs> Angels hopefully are better under Wash. I, I feel like the A's are going to still suck. But I, I think I think the Astros for the first time in years are vulnerable, and they need to do something. Dana Brown, Jim Crane, they need to step up and say, hey, we need to sign somebody in the bullpen. 54% joke just never gets old. Sorry. It just never gets old. Gets a um, chuckle out of me every time. It does. Hey, for anyone unaware of Tiza, go check it out right now at TizaEnergy.com and enter the discount code FOUL, F-O-U-L, for 20% off your first order. We are ready to bring in our first guest of the day. Excited to have him for the first time on the show. He writes for the Star Tribune covers the Minnesota Twins, known him for a while. Lavelle Neal joining us right now on the show. Lavelle, great to see you, man. You've had a pretty chill offseason since the Twins decided they're not doing anything this offseason. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right about that. I'm actually writing a football column for tomorrow's paper. So um, I'm still waiting for the Twins to kind of get off their keysters here and get going. Uh, their hot stove never got even to warm. Uh, I think Josh Stomont is like their number uh, one free agent acquisition so far this offseason. So uh, we're still waiting to see how this plays out. Falvey and Levine, they have a history of waiting to damn near uh, – reporting time to fill out their roster so uh we're gonna wait and see how that turns out with these two guys so and i just want to say i'm honored to be on the same radio station with the great aj brzezinski who i've covered for many years uh, uh in, in minnesota so uh, hello aj uh you, you're not forgotten here <laughs> lavelle let me just say this when, when they were talking about you in our production meeting they were saying twins what was it legend no wait what was it twins <laughs> insider twins there was some word, and I was like, they must not know Lavelle very well because if they're using these big words with him, they must not know what a peon he is around Minnesota. So, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm thankful we got you on our YouTube slash podcast. It's not a radio show. We're not Sid Hartman here back in, you know, 98 trying to get you on uh, Sid Hartman show. But, Lavelle, thanks for coming on. I want to know, when are you going to ask Valvi and Levine the hard questions like, why the fuck aren't they signing anybody or are they trying to win this division or give it away? I know. They're in a great position here. They're coming off a division title. The other teams have made moves, but I don't think enough to topple the Twins. And they have a they have a young core that's emerging uh, with Royce Lewis and Edouard Julian and, and, and Matt Walner and those guys. And, you know, Bailey Ober, 
Johan Duran, the closer, has got a lot of talent. And uh, Joe Ryan has got a lot of talent as well. They need to add. They lost Sonny Gray. They lost uh, Kenta Maeda. You know, let's go. They need at least one uh, you know, guy who could at least be a slide into a number two spot in that rotation and um, add a couple more relievers, and they'd be good to go for another year. And that, that day's coming. As you know, AJ uh, used to be an annual figure at Twins Fest in the Winter Caravan. That's all coming up, so they'll be on the spot. Trust me uh, uh, when it's uh, when these uh, times come up here in the next couple of weeks because um, after achieving what they did last year, ending an 18-game postseason losing streak, you know, I think the fans are excited. I think they're engaged, and they want to see the Twins take the next step. Do they need more important? What's what's more important to them? Somebody that can actually drive in a hundred runs, or somebody that can actually play over a hundred and forty games in a season? <laughs> That's a good question. I would say uh, run production would be the 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 uh, separator there over someone to be durable. But I mean, that's a fair question. Royce Lewis played half the season. Um, they had a bunch of uh, injuries during the year. They they need a, a constant fixture in that lineup. You know, Orio Hipolanco, who may get traded. It may take a Orhe Polanco or Max Kepler package with one of their prospects to get the type of uh, pitcher or extra hitter that they want. So I, I think they're looking for a production, man. Uh, ever since Nelson Cruz left, they really haven't had that presence in the three to four, three to four hole spot that can drive in a lot of runs. Um, so I still think they missed that. And that's the type of guy they're going to be after if they can is find there, it for a first thing. Is, is the Twins offseason a success? If they get Reese Hoskins? No, I think in addition to Reese Hoskins, they'd have to come up with another starting pitcher. Definitely. Um, you know, Sonny Gray, you know, finishing the what, top three uh, in Cy Young Award uh, uh, voting last year. Had a great season. Um, they're going to miss those innings. They're going to miss the the high quality pitching that he offered. And they got to find someone who can fill in. Now, Bailey Ober, you know, will be uh, a guy to slot into that rotation, but um, they, they're still going to need uh, uh, someone else. Louis Varland showed a lot of promise last year. Had to go down for some fine-tuning and came back. But Rocco Baldelli is in love with Varland as a reliever and may convert him to uh, a, a relief arm where he throw 97-98 coming out of the pen with some nasty stuff. So they need a starter, man. Um, I, I think they'd be better off long-term if they got a starter instead of Hoskins. If it's either or, or i go for the pitcher. Uh, although Hoskins look good in the Twins uniform. Okay, Lavelle, I, I hear what you're talking about, and you're talking about this. This reminds me of the old, like, when Carl Polat still on the Twins and we were playing in the Metrodome, and they were like, well, we can't even afford to buy you guys fleece jackets because you guys play inside. You have to buy them on your own. I mean, the <laughs> Twins have money. They have – They. I was there in the playoffs. They sell that place out. The, the, there's a lot of excitement for the Twins. Why won't they spend on these guys and go out and get a front line? Because the Central is there for the taking. Yep. They just need a piece or two. Yeah, you're right. Um, you, the thing that's scaring them, or that's what they're telling us, is that um, their TV contract is still up in the air for next year because they're part of that Diamond Sports Group, part of that Bally Sports Group that uh, they they don't have a contract for next year. So they're anticipating losing about twenty to twenty five million dollars in television revenue. And AJ, they've done a lot of cutting elsewhere. They've cut scouts. They've reduced their scouting network. Um, they moved on from uh, Billy Milos, who was there forever and has found a lot of the diamonds in the rough for them. He was let go after this year. 
uh, they've been they've been cutting in other areas of the organization. So I don't know if I think they knew this day was coming because when they agreed to bring back Carlos Correa, I think that pushed them to where they're the most com- they're still comfortable with that payroll, but not too much more. So they need some certainty here. There's going to be a, a hearing this week. Either either there's going to be a hearing in bankruptcy court with Diamond Sports, or there's going to be an agreement between Major League Baseball and Diamond Sports where they just run it back one more year. That would make a lot of people feel a lot better. But I know they're they're freaking out a little bit, man, because they're losing about twenty to twenty five million in revenue that um, they it makes it's making them reluctant to spend on the free agent market. If you see them add a player, it'll probably be a trade more so than free agency. Man, if the poll odds are so broke. They should sell the team, Lavelle. You know, they should they should go out. If they're not making enough money, you know, people have been saying this since I was there, and that was 25 years ago. You know, the poll ads are so broke. They run it like they're so broke. They need to sell the team. But is that why they got rid of Dick Bremer? Rob Anthony's not back? I mean, what is happening in Twinsland? Yeah, they're making some, like I said, they're making some moves, and you know, Bremer's being kicked over into some more of an ambassadorial role. Uh, but the Polat family, I think they've continued to strengthen their financial position. They, you know, the one thing they did during the COVID year, they never fought, they never laid off anybody while other teams were laying off people. And I think the Pirates froze their employees' pension programs. The Twins didn't go that route. They kept their employees. But man, since then, they've uh, they've bought a couple other companies. They built a skyscraper in downtown Minneapolis. Uh, so they've got they they've they've got financial ability. And yeah, it makes you wonder what's it going to take for them to. Uh, to spend more money on payroll. But I, they have their limits to where they want to go. And I guess this past year is what their limit was. And it's going to be it's frustrating for a fan to see that because they saw the success. They saw the packed stadiums. They made a brief run in the postseason. And they could take this take things one more step here. So, I, you know, they, this is when the whole cheap poll ads thing rears his ugly head. And it's hard to defend them uh, when they make these decisions and sit on a payroll like they are right now. Especially with the team, I mean, like you said, breaking through that ceiling of the playoffs, like this is this is the time to strike. But you, you talk about the TV contract, and it's not just the Twins. There's plenty of teams. Even the world champion Rangers are talking about these TV contracts. Don't don't give me this idea that one, they're not going to make money this year because mm-hmm. of the TV contract, and two, they didn't see this coming. They just signed Correa last year. I'm sure they had to see this coming. All these. Uh... All these teams are making money or they'd be selling these teams. <laughs> and there's always a line of people who want to buy these clubs. So um, they've got their each team has their own set of rules. I know the Rangers, uh, their TV deal was one hundred and eleven million last year and the Twins was fifty four. Um, so uh, but that hasn't stopped the Rangers from making moves. Uh, they, they did let some people go. I know Mitch Garver moved on to another team and and some other guys have moved on. But there's ways to do this. And the other thing, too, for the Twins is that. It's not like their roster's got a lot of holes. They've they've got, like I said, they got a young core of people. If Byron Buxton stays in the lineup for 130 games uh, next year, he's going to put up numbers. Um, Correa can't be as bad as he was a year ago. The Twins' offense picked up because the young kids like Julian and uh, Ryan Jeffers behind the plate and Royce Lewis at third, you know, all stepped up and have another young guy, Alex Kirloff and Matt Walner. They they don't. I'm not saying that. Uh, they have an embarrassment of riches, but man, it's not like they have to rebuild their infield or find corner outfielders or get a, a closer and find a starter. I'm like, if you get them bringing another quality starter, you're ready to roll. Uh, and if you get Reese Hoskins in to play first base, that's another plus as well. It's not like they need a lot of work here. 
Lavelle, give us more on Byron Buxton right now. There's a lot of fans in our chat that are talking about him and wondering if you think that he's got a game plan that's going to enable him to play center field on a semi-regular basis for this team. I know it's so tough because he's a great guy. He's super talented, but you have to have a really legit insurance plan, not just backup option, just a plan for, you know, is he in the lineup at all? Is he in center field? Is he out, you know? Uh, the plan is for him to play center. That's what he's working towards this offseason. We'll know, know more in a couple of weeks because the Twins have some of their uh, pre-spring training events going on in town, so the players will be in town. Uh, I, I I reached out to his camp at the end of last year, uh, about a week after he had his latest knee surgery, and Buck told his people to tell me that his knee felt better immediately following that surgery than it did all the previous season. So, uh, that's a good starting point. And then he came to Minnesota uh, before Thanksgiving, worked out, got checked out, and got cleared to go forward with his offseason uh, completion of rehab and into baseball activities to get ready for spring training. So that's the last thing we've heard about Buck uh, uh, Byron Buxton going into the new year. So all eyes would be on him at Twins Fest when he shows up, if he shows up, and in spring training because uh, he um, – if he's healthy, it's the, the lineup's totally different. And based on what we've seen, the growth that some of the young guys provided last year, uh, if he can jump into the middle of that, the Twins' offense would be even more robust than it was in 2023. So what has to happen? He has to stay healthy or Rocco has to push him? Because we, we talk about we talk about this all the time, and I look at you know some OPS plus from Byron Buxton, and he had an MVP caliber 200 and – 35 at bats in in what season was that 2021 so does Rocco need to just push him you know uh you baseball guys amaze me because I've had tendonitis in my knee before in both knees (laughs) and just by standing it it drives me to the shit you know you guys are able to play on these things and I never take for granted how hard it is for you guys to play the game liar it's hard liar (laughs) AJ, you have had open wounds in the locker room, in the clubhouse, all right? And I've questioned you about that. You have said, stop looking at my legs. I'm going to play today. And so I was like, I give you guys credit. You answer the bell. You take the post. Um, me, just being a regular civilian, uh, I, if I stand up for 20 minutes on a sore knee, it's killing me. So I, I'm not even, I can only imagine what you guys are going through. So as far as Rocco pushing Buck, I'm sure Rock, Buck – push himself hard enough to try to make the postseason roster last season. It just didn't work out. So they think they got it figured out now. And um, I, you know, Rocco's not the type of guy that puts his foot up to too many players ass. I think he trusts them to be professional and get ready for games the best way they see fit, but it'll be interesting to see how much they give bucks in this, uh, on his plate, this spring training. Um, first off, I think we should make that a t-shirt. Stop looking at my leg. I'm playing today. (laughs) (laughs) It's a true story. It's a true story. (laughs) It's very on brand. Trust me. You're not the first one with a great AJ story in the clubhouse. Um, So my next question for you is their competition, because I think that's what drives the twins. And it's what drove them last trade deadline. If you remember, LaBelle, they had a brilliant trade deadline. They did essentially nothing 
which for the division was a huge win because the rest of the division essentially sold until the Guardians decided later on to kind of buy, but it was too late. So my point is, are the Twins not motivated? And that includes ownership because they look around and say, these teams suck. <laughs> I, I think I think that goes into part of thinking as well. Maybe they need a, a, an antagonist to get them to uh, uh, to behave with a little more urgency. Um, Cleveland's always a questionable one. They're about the same market size, had the same TV deal as the Twins last year. Uh, but it seems like Cleveland's always like subtracting, like uh, in each of the last three or four years. Like last year, they traded uh, Zach Plezak, right? Uh, before the deadline. Uh, that was kind of a head scratcher at the time. So you're saying for put, the Guardians, they traded uh, Savali. Yeah, yeah. Savali. That's right. Savali. There you Savali go. Savali to the Rays. That's like their number two or three starter. And they were like, okay, bye. We're going to get a prospect. Yeah, so uh, Cleveland's done that consistently in recent years, um, and you could argue they've had they had a bigger run than the Twins did when they dominated the Central. I think at least they've been to a World Series. So the White Sox were a big one too. The White Sox are just a mess now. They've got to they got to uh, flush the toilet, as I like to say, and kind of uh, <laughs> clean out some crap from the roster and start moving forward because they had a lot of bunch of DH right field type guys or DH first baseman guys and seemed like there was a log in there we need to break up um it seemed it would be it would seem weird that they'd have to trade Dylan Cease in order to get better that just kind of is a head scratcher to me they should be keeping someone like him um you know Giolito didn't work out but I give them credit cuz Giolito was demanding a big contract and the, the White Sox weren't were ready to go there and he did not have a good season uh so uh, there's a lot of stuff going on with them man and eventually the Royals are going to do something here too. So I uh, I agree that um, being in the division that the Twins are in, it kind of benefits them playing the slow game. But I will say this. Let's see what happens by spring training and see who they add. Because I've covered a team. You know, they traded for Jake Odorizzi during spring training. They, the Kenta Maeda trade was consummated the day before camp opened. Um, they, they made other moves like during camp to bring in players. So they like to operate late. And we'll see uh, what they come up with this time. I want your unbiased Minnesota freezing winter opinion on this one, okay? Luisa Rice or Pablo Lopez? Pablo Lopez. I'll take the picture any day. And I love Luisa Rice. It's a great story. Um, the Twins offered him twenty grand coming uh, coming out of Venezuela. And he turned it down and had given up on his big, big league hope and went out with a buddy to hang out. When he came back to his house, this is like when he was 15, 16, the twin scouts there going, I found you another 10 grand. Luis says, okay, I'll sign. <laughs> and, and the next thing you know, you know, Luis slowly hits his way into the majors. Um, prof- the Twins missed him. They, they could have used his on-base percentage. They could have used his, um, his contact hitting ability. But I think both teams benefit from that deal. The, the Marlins needed a bat. The Twins needed a guy they believed in. You know, Pablo Lopez is clearly, you know, the staff face of that rotation. And, and the way, how hard it is to acquire and maintain and lock up starting pitching, uh, it's at a premium in today's game. So they traded for Lopez. They locked him up. I, I think for the long term, it's probably the, the best move the Twins could have made. Finally, first time in the history of the world, Lavelle, you and I agree on something, Pablo Lopez over Luis Arise. Scott has a <laughs> Scott has a man crush on Luis Arise, and I said Pablo Lopez for the Twins is a better is a better fit for them, especially after they locked him up. And then we saw what he did for him last year as a pitcher, which leads me to my, to my, my question is, I was there when the, the Twins lost to the Astros last year, but they finally got off the schneid. They finally broke the curse of not being able to win a playoff game. 
They finally won a playoff series in the first time in over 20 years. Why is – it kind of goes back to ownership for me. Why is ownership not pushing more in? I get the TV stuff, but, man, you're on the brink here. And in, in, in that Astros series was, was closer than people, I think, realize. But they were on the verge of possibly going to the LCS, maybe the World Series, if they could just add a couple pieces. I mean, is there not enough fan pressure? Is there not enough – people telling the poll ads and Thad Levine and Derek Falvey, let's go for it. Uh, there is a groundswell from fans upset and they're despondent over the, the decisions to let Sonny Gray walk without trying to keep him or not giving Kent Tomato another shot. Um, fans are, trust me, I get emails. I get stopped on the street when I'm covering over sporting events in town. And I was at the wild hockey game the other day and someone was like, well, I heard the twins not adding anybody. This is their chance to have a window of opportunity. So it's uh, I advocated for it at the end of the regular season because I heard rumblings about the TV deal affecting their uh, free agent decisions. And I was like, you can't do this. You got the fans interested again. Um, you want to give them some hope. And the other thing, too, AJ, is too big, big. When it's easy to um, project your revenue when you know what's coming in. And group sales is a big thing during the offseason. And if you make a couple, like, big or at least uh, solid free agent moves or player acquisitions, you know, people from North Dakota, South Dakota are going to call and say, hey, 40 of us are coming on July 18th. And group sales help with cost certainty. And I just think sometimes they miss out or they ignore um, the benefits of being proactive and taking big swings during the winter time instead of waiting for spring to come. So I, I trust me, I hear it um, frequently while I'm out and about in town. Nobody recognizes you, so let's 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 just say that, okay? Hey, hey, let's I'm just a, establish I'm, that first of all. I'm a big man in town, and you know that literally. <laughs> okay, okay, all right. You're no Jim Suhan, okay? Let's oh wow! That now, see, that's a shot. <laughs> that's a all right. Shot. So, Lavelle, you've been tweeting a lot about football since we're in the NFL playoffs. Who do you want to win the Super Bowl, and who do you got going to the Super Bowl? Since your Vikings are out, I love watching San Francisco's offense. Um, you know, Brock Purdy's a functional quarterback, but as a guy who's a fancy football champion like I am, I know the benefit of yards after the catch. And Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and and uh, George Kittle are the personification of yak. And I, I I love the plays they make in open field. You got Christian McCaffrey there as well. I just think they're um, I think they're an entertaining team. Having been born in Chicago, and it was instilled with me as soon as I came out of my mother's womb that I was supposed to hate the Packers at every turn. I want the Packers to get destroyed next week. So uh, I like to see the San Francisco 49ers play the Baltimore Ravens uh, in the Super Bowl and have the 49ers prevail. Okay. You're a conspiracy theorist because the, the colors, have you heard the colors thing where the purple and red, so they're saying it's supposed to be the Ravens and the Niners in the Super Bowl. Have you heard all that stuff? I have not heard that. That's a so for the last like seven years, six years, they've the colors of the Super Bowl uh, logo has been the teams that have played in the Super Bowl. So everyone says the NFL is scripted. So they're saying the Niners are red and the Ravens purple, and that's the colors of the logo are purple and red. How come the Vikings didn't get in then? Well, because they don't have a quarterback. That's why. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> hey, so I had cousins. Tripping. I had cousins of Hawkins in one of my leagues, and basically the season ended when they both got hurt. That's why you're not a champion. I am in one league. There you go. All right, AJ, you happy, Labelle? By the way, AJ's next life. He wants to be a, a football studio host. So he's working hard. That. Was he? Was he good? 
Yeah, I can see AJ as that, man, definitely. AJ, what, didn't you play football in high school at Dr. Phillips? No, hell no. No, no. no. What, no. what position would you have played? Oh, I would have been either – I would have been a tight end. I would have been Hawkinson just running fools over out there. Are you kidding me? <laughs> okay. All right. All right. See? I mean, I, I, see I mean, I weigh enough. I could add about 30 pounds and probably play left tackle, but, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't get to hit anybody. Anymore. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> Epic. Well, Lavelle, it was awesome having you on. We'll obviously, you know, post some of these clips and, and plug your Twitter and where they can catch your articles. Uh, great to catch up with you. And, you know, hopefully you can write a story about a real signing at some point. Thanks. I appreciate that very much. I think we're all waiting for that moment where we could wa- uh, write about a meaningful acquisition. Meanwhile, I'm just going to have to cherish the time I spent with AJ today, just like exactly. old times with us in the, in the clubhouse. Might be the highlight of the offseason. Get ready. <laughs> oh, okay. Bring it. Let's go. <laughs> Thank you, Lavelle. Just Great talking to you. All right. See you. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> There's not really much to say about the Twins right now. Nothing's it's happening. ridiculous. I mean, they got to a great point. I like the roster, but they are looking around at the rest of their division, and that's why they're operating this way. The thing is, does that win you a World Series? No. No. That, no. Were they better than the Astros? No. Okay. Are they better now than, you know, four or five teams in the American League alone? No. So maybe they don't think cool. Maybe they don't think there's enough out there to add to it to make them better. I, I don't know. I, there's so many free agents. There's no one out there that can make the twins better. I mean, there's a ton and they just lost a lot of pitching. Yeah, they lost gray. Who was their number one, right They're, And they lost Maeda, who was really good for him as a swing guy. And, and that's, those guys are hard to replace. I know they love Louis Varlin. I know Michael over. I know, you know, they're hoping Joe Ryan takes the next step. And listen, Pablo Lopez is great, but do they, I mean, listen, they have enough to win the division. But other than that, is that good? That's not good enough for me if I'm a Twins fan. We've mm-hmm. won the division a million times and haven't done shit since 1991, right? We haven't done anything. 2002, we made the LCS, lost to the Angels. After that, they they went 20-plus years and didn't win a series in the postseason, didn't barely win a game. So to me, it's not enough if I'm a Twins fan. I mean, maybe they think, maybe they think well, we went, we got Correa. You know, we got Correa and it was – scary you know his ankle could be bad or whatever to me you got him because that was signifying the beginning of you making a three four year run their bullpen is unbelievable a scary scary bullpen that people started to notice in july and that will carry them i mean they have guys that get on base but i just think there is it's just, it's just confusing to me. It's confusing the mindset, and we talk about this daily, twice daily for different teams. You wonder what they're thinking because they have the pieces. They have the pieces. Dominate this division for three or four years. Get these fans out all year long. Right now is the time to strike. And to me, I just, I'm, I'm confused why they don't. They said if they got a new ballpark, they were going to spend bigger. They did I'm spend really bigger that way. Yeah, they a spent bit. bigger, and now they're they going did, smaller. They did, but not really. But now, now just keep going. It's like it's like you're getting to the end of the hand, and you're like, ah, you know what? I've put enough in. We're we'll hope my hand beats your hand. Like, keep pushing the envelope. This is the time. Look back after four years, and you look back and you say, ah, kind of missed that opportunity. Or, hey, we did everything we could. It's hard to win the World Series. Yes. But do what you can when you have the pieces that you have. 
But why couldn't they bring back Sonny Gray, Kratz? Why couldn't, they, why, why couldn't they bring back Sonny Gray? It's not like he signed for five years, $200 million. I mean, he signed a very reasonable deal to go to St. Louis. He seemed to enjoy his gave, time in Minnesota. Why, why couldn't they sign him back? I'm not saying they couldn't, but this is what they've been doing. They've been signing guys for their one-year piece, and then they're like, eh, we'll see you. Now they got Correa back, so maybe they feel like they reached on Correa. I, I don't know. But essentially, you would have – you would have Pablo for twenty-one million coming up. Not this year. I think he's. I think he's still below ten million for this year. But then he has like three years of twenty-one million. It's essentially what you're giving Sonny. Like the guy did well for you. He clearly fit into your system and connected with guys. And he pitched well in the ballpark. What do you give it? Five homers, seven homers the whole year. Like there's there's value there. To me, I just. I'm confused. Maybe they don't go in on Montgomery, but if you can spend under $100 million on a starting pitcher, every team can afford that. But well, the Gray contract they're, makes they're, sense, AJ. That's exactly the money that they're trimming. I mean, they were about a record also, 155 last year for payroll, and this year they're going to be in like the 125 to 140 range. So 155, subtract 25 from Gray, and then you get to their – and 130 number that they feel comfortable with that they're still able to profit massively and make the playoffs and maybe have a division series, couple home games, make, you know, 10 mil per home game. And, you know, they can share $20 million at the end of the year and say, good job. We won the division and we got bounced in the DS again. Okay. So here's the thing. Here's my, here's my yeah way to go guys. <laughs> they're, they're counting on Chris Paddock to come back. Obviously they're counting on Louis Varlin. They're counting on Joe Ryan to be good again better than what he was because the second half last year he was awful with home yeah. runs. Uh, Pablo's great for him. Ober, what's Ober going to be for him? Is, is he able to do it for a whole year because he kind of went up and down a little bit? Uh, but my thing is it goes back to this for me. I remember when I was playing for the Twins, this is 20 years ago, 20-plus years ago, Car- Carl Polat was the owner. Jim Polat is now the, the owner of his son. And he sold his, like, Pepsi distributorship for, like, four or $500 million while we were there. And then he's like, oh, we don't have the money to go sign a million one run reliever for one million dollars. And you're like, wait a minute here. You know, you just you just signed a, a contract for five hundred million, let's say, but you can't put a million. And then at the same time, you know, they came out with the fleece hoodies, right? And we had to buy them on our Mike Fetters bought them for us because they're like, Oh, we can't afford them. You guys play in a dome, you don't need them. We're like, Yeah, we play 81 games outside where we will use them. So it was it was it's just things like that is when you look at it from a fan's perspective. It's the nickel and diming, I think. I think that's why people fell so in love with the Padres in San Diego, right? They fell in love with the Tigers when Illich was going for it for all those years. They, they fall in love with these teams, the, the Rangers, right? The Rangers went out and everyone's like, what are you doing with Seager and Simeon and, and DeGrom and Ivaldi and all these guys? And then, boom, they win the World Series. And everyone's like, oh, my God, the Rangers are the greatest things going, right? So I think when teams finally get to that point, it's what we continue to talk about. Oh, teams talk themselves out of free agency. Well, if you're the Twins and you say, all right, we can sign a pitcher, a quality major league pitcher, let's say for $15 million a year. I'm just throwing numbers out there, right? And I can get another bat. It might, it's not a middle-of-the-order bat, but it's in position of need for another five. There's $20 million we're spending for the next three years, okay? Does that put us into the divi- division title for the next three years? More than likely, yes. Now, will that help us get to the next round? Possibly, yes. You never know. But this also, then if they, things go really well, you can make more moves to help you get to the World Series. So to me, it's more about like, not going all in and not giving you every every resource you have. And I know they're going to claim budget, and I know the Twins and every other team say, we're giving this number. But there's always there's always a chance you can stretch that in some way. And I just wish teams more would take advantage of opportunities, like you guys said, of 
having the window and going all in and going for it. I like the fact that you didn't get your fleeces in the big leagues. That's unbelievable oh. because I remember minor leaguers, minor leaguers who played for the Twins, they said if you got a pair of shorts and a T-shirt and if you sweated through those and you needed another one, you you got another one. They put it in your locker and then you got and then you got a bill at the end of the two weeks or month, whatever it was. But earlier you said something. You said, yeah, they, you know, they might still win this division. I don't know. Maybe the Tigers have done a little bit more to bump themselves up, especially the way that some of their key players played as the season continued. You're going to need a lot from Torkelson. You're going to need, you know, extra from Green. But they've added pieces that have supplemented what they already had. Is Javi Baez going to need to be better than he was? Absolutely. But they have bona fide stars that they brought in, and now they have some of their youth. They've at least made the moves to enhance their roster. They haven't gone – they haven't gotten the Sonny Gray. They haven't gotten the Jordan Montgomery. But they've made more moves, and the Twins weren't that far out in, you know, they, out in first place. I agree. I think the Tigers could be a problem this year. I would Royals love that they did one Royals more thing. Royals have made some moves too. Royals, yeah. Royals, yeah. I didn't even. They're not as easy as a, of a dub now. I, I want to backtrack for one quick sec. I'm sorry. So you get one top, one bottom, and then after that, you have to pay the billionaire pull ads for clothing if you're part of the org. Yeah. Minor league. Right? Yep. In the minors. Yeah. Where you're poor. Well, clearly, was going on in the big leagues too. Okay. Just we never had to, to pay. Sure we never had to pay for anything in the big leagues. We just asked because all these teams had these. It was like right when the fleeces came oh, yeah. out, and everyone's like, "Man, these are unbelievable! Why can't we get?" It? So we went to the equipment guy and said, "Hey, what, we want these. Why can't we get them? Not in the budget." And we're like, "And he's like, you play indoors." And we're like, "Yeah, but we also it's seventy degrees in here, and they're you know we'll cut the sleeves. That'd be great." And, and he's like, "Nope." And then he's like, "If you want them, you can buy them yourself." So Mike Fetters went out and bought the whole team. He got everyone sizes and he ordered them for everybody. That's wild. That's wild. That's freaking wild. I, I can't I mean, believe but listen, it. But- I, listen, I came up with the Twins, okay? The, the, I love the Twins organization, okay? I'll say that to, uh, there's a lot of people that are still there that I that I still love to death, okay? I, I mean, Dave St. Peter was there when I was there. He was the president. Uh, Mike Herman, the traveling the traveling secretary, he hates it, I call him that, so he's the traveling secretary. Dustin Morris was there. I mean, there's a ton of guys. The, the equipment people are all there. It's a great organization. The people that work there are still all the same. It's a great organization, Okay. The thing is, 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 is Twins fans and friends that I know that still live in the Twin Cities that are Twins fans, they just want more. They just want more from there to, 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 to take the next step, right? To, to throw another. So you said, okay, the Tigers are going to maybe catch them, right? Well, let's say they added another really quality starter, another bat. Will the Tigers still catch him? Probably not, right? Because Correa mm-hmm. is not going to have as bad of a year. A lot of these young guys are going to be better. Kirilov hopefully stays healthy. Buxton stays healthy. A full year of Royce Lewis. It's a different team and different organization. So that's my point is I just want them to just go all in and say, all right, fuck it. We're, we're, we're going for it. How many times are we going to say Buxton stays healthy? Uh-huh. Like, I mean, it, I started looking at it more. He played 140 games his third year in the big leagues. Since then, he hasn't gone above 100. Is it okay to just say, you know what, he's not going to? And do you think the Twins have done that? Because I don't know that his – his offensive production just at DH, you know, kind of hamstrings you a little bit. But I, I just, I, I, how many times can we say it? I get it. Like, 
Giancarlo Stanton is another example of a guy that, oh, he just needs to stay healthy. Mike Trout needs to stay healthy. He's been hurt the last three years. You're talking about like the best player in the game at one point and the MVP. Buxton hasn't ever stayed healthy. And like, is there a time when we just say he won't? Like kind of like a Clayton Kershaw, like you're going to get 20 to 22 games out of him and it's going to be awesome 2022 games, but that's it. Like we can't even expect more. That's how it is with many pitchers right now. I mean, quality over quantity. Yeah, there there are players that are quality over quantity. I mean, I think the Braves might be looking at Chris Sale potentially that way. You hope that he can make full slate of starts. But I think if Chris Sale makes 20 starts for the Braves this year and then he's healthy for the playoffs and he shoves for them, they would consider that a massive win. But he has. But he has stayed healthy. We're talking about Buxton. who had. It's like saying, this guy, he can hit 40 home runs. Okay, but I'm looking at it and he's only ever hit 32. I'm not talking about Buxton. You know, when when we talk about guys who can hit 40 home runs, like Buxton has just never stayed healthy. Neither has Mitch Garver. He just was the biggest signing, I think, of the offseason for the Mariners, you know. There's guys like that, quality over quantity. I think some teams value that a lot. Also, when are they healthy? That's the key, right, for Buxton. Is he good to go for the postseason if this team thinks they're going to roll right through? That's the X factor. Is he not just good to go, but is he, you know, prime? Is he ready that way? So just something to keep in mind. I want to air a little clip from Fair Territory with Ken Rosenthal, which will be out later today on YouTube, but is already available for you uh, on podcast format if you go to Fair Territory on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. So Ken, your thoughts on this free agent market? So what's the answer to all this? I'm not sure there is one. And I know some fans don't see it as a problem at all. But to me, a deadline here is an interesting idea, a signing deadline of some sort. I'm not going to get into the mechanics of it right now, how it would work. I'm sure if I proposed one idea, you could find 103 faults with it. But the deadline is not something that's going to happen anytime soon, if it ever happens at all. The league has proposed signing deadlines in the past. And we saw before the 2021 lockout how quickly things could move with the deadline, how a frenzy could take place. You remember what happened. The lockout was beginning December 1st. And then right in the week before December 1st, teams were scrambling to get players signed because they wanted them under their control before the lockout started. That was a crazy week of free agency, actually probably a crazy three or four days. It was the action that we all kind of crave, similar to the NBA, similar to the NFL. All right, much more on that topic right now. It's fair territory, and you can see some of the other topics covered, including Inside Dish on Albert Pujols, who's celebrating his, I think, 44th birthday. Uh, what are the Angels doing <laughs> on the topic of pools? Uh, Dude and Dork of the Week and Grilling Quen, uh, Grilling Ken, one of my favorite uh, segments. Um, let's slap ants. Kratz hats. What's good today? Little Milwaukee brew ha ha's. It was one of our military days. It's my go-to. 
It's my go-to summer hat. Made me feel summery today. It's fantastic. AJ, I'm, I'm going to start a new version for this where, or a new layer where AJ grades it. So AJ, go Anything ahead. with the military is a win for me. So Okay. For some reason, I really like these stars that are on this side. They do some cool stuff. I do like that. That's a nice touch. AJ, it's a grading scale. So A? Anything with the military is good for me. A. It's an A. Okay. A. Just making sure. <laughs> I love A. A's. Um, I'm working on a special guest tomorrow. I gotta, I've been going back and forth with them on time, so stay tuned on that front. Um, on Obviously, we always have our writer insider action for you, but mixing in some more players, kind of getting ready to get back into the swing of things. Thursday, Brendan Donovan and Austin Slater will join us. So a little Cardinals talk, a little more Giants talk. And Davis Schneider, the legend in Toronto, is going to join us on Friday. Did you know that, Kretz? I yes. didn't know that. That is yes. tremendous. It's going to be great. I think some people probably have forgotten. Hey, David Schneider might be a dude this year. No, he was he was putting together at bats. Yeah, he took, he took Vukovic's glove. He's a legend. The Giffen thrift. I mean, that's the standard. He didn't want Varios to come out of the game. Awesome. <laughs> also, <laughs> amazing. We'll definitely ask him about that. If there are any players that you want us to chat with on FT, um, we either know them or I cold DM them and actually get pretty good responses. So let us know. Um, hit us up on Instagram. Just send us a DM and we'll work on getting your fave player. Or maybe it's like your least favorite player, but you want to see if he's actually a cool dude. We can do that. Well, my better question is, is who have I mean, I'm looking down at the list now. Yeah. We, we haven't had Snell. We haven't had Bellinger. We haven't had Chapman, right? We've had a lot of guys. Yeah, but those three, obviously, we can get them on the back end. They probably don't want to chat yet. But, yes, we have had, um, I think we're getting close to 300 player guest spots, so that's a lot. But we still have plenty on the wish list. There's like a 1,000 players. So we'll work on it and keep us posted on FT Live if you want to hear from someone. What? Did I get something wrong? Not a thousand. Mm-hmm. Thousands a little high, but we'll on do a little forty high. man roster. Forty man. We're talking about the twenty six man, bro. How many players play though in a season? Twenty six are on a roster. I know, AJ, but how many? AJ players only cares team? about the big leaguers. Oh, I'm mean, sorry, I messed up. I'm my not math. a grinder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're not. Everyone on Wednesday. We've got a new offer for the FT fam with the same bonus code FOUL, F-O-U-L. Bet $5, get $158 instantly. Place your first BetMGM Sportsbook wager through the BetMGM Sportsbook app of at least $5, and you'll receive $158 instantly in additional winnings regardless of your wager's outcome. Download the BetMGM Sportsbook app, sign up and deposit at least $5 into your newly created account, Place a wager in the amount of at least $5 at standard odds price. And once you've placed a bet, you'll receive $158 in bonus bets, regardless of the outcome of your wager. Again, that's bonus code FOUL, F-O-U-L. Gambling problem or concern? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.